Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. Hey, greetings brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where Jared, Morgan, and D-Days are going to roommate on the great and spacious beehive. This is August 13th, 2023. It's episode 72 coming at you. We have James Huntsman's lawsuit. The Mormon church is in the middle of a broad investigation with this lawsuit. We're going to give you all the details. The Coding Wyoming Temple also is uh, in the litigation, and there's a lot going on there. We have a, a Desnat situation in Provo where a um, Mormon member of the church was gunned down in Provo recently. We're going to tell you about that. And we have a record-setting LDS church humanitarian donation. You're not going to want to minute, miss a minute of this episode. If you want to connect with me, I'm at uh, www.mormonnewsroundup.org, or you can send me an email to uh, kolob at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's K-O-L-O-B at mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to invite onto, a, onto the program our co-hosts here, Morgan and Jared. How's it going, guys? Hey. Hey, it's uh, great to have you back on. Now, we had you on, uh, uh, Morgan, before, and you run a very popular stream here, which is uh, called My Spiritual Life. What do you do on, what is My Spiritual Life? What's that all about? You know, initially I started the channel when I left Mormonism and I was just kind of vlogging about my journey and my experience. And now I've kind of transitioned over into this message of understanding yourself and like, let's learn about you and how to improve your life through understanding who you are, where you came from, and what you need in order to move forward. So that's a little bit of what I do over there. Yeah, now we have both of you, Jared, we had you on, we had Morgan on back on episode 38. Uh, we had you guys both on, and that's why I'm wondering, how did I get you back onto the program? That's amazing. You decided to come back on. Well, you you asked. <laughs> um, I think it was the... Uh, when we were chatting together and you compared yourself to Brigham Young and how uh, you were almost as handsome as him. And I was like, yes, I need more of uh, that handsome devil in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, this is the thumbnail. Now, Jared, I hope you don't feel bad about this because we didn't know 100% if you were going to come on this time, which is why the thumbnail for this time, Mormon church fraud lawsuit. Look at the look on Russell M. Nelson's face there with Morgan. <laughs> And we didn't know, Jared, I hope you're not offended. We didn't know if you were going to come on, but this is kind of like the Patricia Holland thing. You're just the wife of Morgan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Sometimes she wakes up with a notebook and she's like, get the hell out of my bedroom so I can write down some revelations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, but we do appreciate both of you. Come on now. Uh, you, not, not to give you short shrift here, Jared, you also have a very, very popular stream uh, that's called... <laughs> <laughs> uh, controversial is more the correct term than popular. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up here. It's called Porch Time. Um, what's that all about, Porch Time? That's with uh, Chris Hanna and um, what, what, is, what is Porch Time? <laughs> well, uh, it's... <laughs> we just talk about the Mormon sphere and the ex-Mormon sphere, and it's more political and stuff like that. A lot of those, yeah, a lot of thumbnails. Look at those John Delin thumbnails. <laughs> You got, you got John, you got John, uh, you got John Delin on here. Uh, you're, you're bagging on him. You're also bagging on. Uh, um, oh, sorry. Who does the? Uh, oh, John Larson. Yeah, John Larson, anti-racist baby. You got cheating. You got. You, this is pretty good. This is pretty pretty controversial stuff here. Oh yeah, we're not. I mean, we're not popular. <laughs> <laughs> not well liked. But that's okay. <laughs> Uh, like, you know, I think one of the 14 fundamentals of the church, remember for the president, was President Benson that the, uh, the, the popularity, that the church is not going to be popular. And that was actually considered a sign of the true religion was not being popular. I think. Oh, that's, my God. Right. So the fact that Porch Time only has 100, uh, 200 subscribers, that probably Porch means you're Porch Time true. is true. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the true church, that's I guess. The truth. Yeah. <laughs> Porch yeah. Time is the true church. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I do understand, uh, Jared, that you do have the uh, Mormon joke of the week. Is that right? Yeah. Well, so. A little bit of backstory was the the first time we did this show, Morgan was trying to explain it to me. And she was like, yeah, we're going to do it with this D-Base guy. I was like, well, what do you know about him? Is, is he like Mormon? Is he ex-Mormon? What? And she's like, I don't really know. He just does Mormon News Roundup. And then she showed me the, the transcript thing that you sent. And I was like, oh, he's definitely not, at least he's not currently Mormon. And she's like, how do you know that? And I was like, because his name, his screen name is not spelled D-Y-V-E. 
Ah, right. Yeah. So there you go. The, there's your Mormon joke of the week is how you should be spelling your name if you were living in Utah and you were Mormon. But very nice, yes, because they have a lot of unusual spellings, that's for sure. Well, really appreciate you, <laughs> appreciate you guys being on, and that's going to take us right to our first article here. And this was the Young Adult uh, Young Area Adults uh, Conference here. This was uh, at the Delta Center, kicked off at the Delta Center. This is quite a production here. It is filled to the brim here with lots of folks here, absolutely incredible here, with the amount of people. And this is, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with anything like this, guys. I, I don't remember seeing anything like this. I used to go to, like, Gordon B. Hinkley, like, boring general conference stuff, and we're getting some really, really hyped up stuff here. What do you think? Yeah, this kind of looks, uh, this, this looks mega churchy <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, I was just really surprised. It, yeah, it really seemed like it was not their MO, because when we did youth conference and stuff growing up, and I enjoyed it, but it was very, like, spiritual and focused and like you got to wear church clothes and we're going to be reverent and and they had fun stuff too and dances but nothing that like big and uh, expensive absolutely now i, I want to show you this so this is the amount of people that were there i mean it was it was absolutely packed to the gills everybody looks like they're having a fun time i do remember like you said morgan i went to youth conferences and my youth conferences were usually pretty boring i mean this looks like like evangelical religion this looks like you know um it's just like you're in a mega church mode here. That you can swap this out with any evangelical uh, church, and um, I, I think that it's. Uh, I, I'd love to attend something like this. Looks pretty. This looks pretty happening. What do you think? Maybe they're realizing that they're kind of losing the younger members, and they're like, maybe if we throw crazy parties, <laughs> we'll keep them. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably have quite a bit of caffeine-free diet coke there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy parties would be caffeinated beverages. That would. Just... Uh, they. I, I think. The, so Russell M. Nelson, I would say, seems to be the most sort of ego-driven prophet of my lifetime. I think he really, really wants to leave his mark. He keeps doing these things that aren't, to an outsider, wouldn't seem like a massive change, but to insiders feel like massive changes. Things like uh, missionaries can call once a week now. Uh, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but Mormons think it's a big deal. Getting rid of the word Mormon, that's like a weird little pet peeve thing of his, and I I feel like this is probably in that same vein, him wanting to leave his mark, but also a little bit uh, retention of the young folks because it's almost becoming, it's not cool anymore to be an ex-Mormon, you know? You, you, you're never the only one in a group that's left the church. It's just, it, you know, it almost makes me want to go back. <laughs> yeah, Ger Gerald, left because he wanted to be cool and wanted to sin, so there you go. <laughs> well, my understanding is that this is a series of four concerts that are taking place every single weekend, and you can get into all four of the concerts for only $50, so the uh, price of admission is very, very inexpensive. And speaking of what you said, the megachurch here, I saw this Twitter feed, and it says, you know, is the church finally committing to the megachurch bit? Uh, I'm having a difficult time pulling that up, because really the church, really, in my opinion, is actually um, the only gigachurch. There's a lot of megachurches out there. I can't get but it's really don't worry they didn't use tithing money to get one republic <laughs> they used a, a different ah. million dollars not the tithing money million dollars it was a, it was a different it's yeah like, it's like when you give a homeless guy 10 bucks and then he goes and buys beer you can't really be mad at him because use a different 10 dollar bill yeah oh yeah. my gosh oh my gosh that is too funny no we're gonna you guys are uh cracking you guys are cracking jokes based on the james huntsman loss which is our feature article we're going to get to that at the end of this program you're going to stick with it we're going to give you um, some good and hopefully some good takes on the James Huntsman lawsuit. But speaking of money, um, I was told you can buy anything in this world with money. And that the LDS Church has given the largest ever donation ever, $44 million to help fight world hunger. This is a humanitarian effort, which is a foundational to Christ Church. And it's kind of interesting here, guys, with, uh, first of all, that, that is a tremendous sum. I have never done anything remotely close to that. I'm mega kudos to the church. But it's interesting who they are trotting out Um to give the uh, response for this. And it's Relief Society President Camille M. Johnson, who said no humanitarian effort is more foundational to Christchurch than feeding the hungry. Typically what you would have with a situation like this is you would have senior members of the church or the presiding bishopric or an apostle who is gonna be the first person quoted. Now we have the church um, you know, doing, uh, you know, bringing out the Relief Society president. That's a big change from what we've seen in times past. It's a, that seems like one of those things that uh, doesn't feel like a big deal to people outside the church, but to people inside the church, it might seem like a big deal, you know? It kind of, I guess the thing with the church is it feels like it's trying to make some steps toward being, like, more progressive, I suppose. I think that's what Russell M. Nils is doing. And I, <laughs> it all feels so kind of corporate. I don't know, every time, because, yeah, I get it. People are demanding 
for the church to be a little bit more progressive to get with the times or whatever. But every single time they do, then we're like, oh, that's cringy, man. Like, it's cheesy. It feels bureaucratic. They, it seems like they've been ramping up their donations because didn't they donate 30? I think they donated 32 million last year to yeah. World and, Food Bank. To the right. World Food Bank. And so then, you know, to 10 more million than that, I was pretty surprised. But I think that they're realizing that they're pretty set with their their assets and their money and their tithing and stuff. And so they're realizing that they ha they can give a lot more, which is honestly, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a tremendous amount of money. They're going to be giving that to distributed. It's distributed to the CARE International, the Catholic Releases Services, Helen Keller International, and the Hunger Project and several other organizations. Typically, when the church makes these type of donations, they will work with a third party or another, uh, you know, another charitable organization to give the money to. They usually don't give direct cash givings. In these types of situations, they will work with NGOs or charitable organizations. That is no uh, different than this particular uh, in this particular case. I do want to give one Twitter uh, reaction that I uh, saw on this. <laughs> and if you look, um, I knew. <laughs> if, if you if you say that the church is worth 100 billion, which is probably worth a lot more than 100 billion, but let's just that's a nice round number. 44 million dollars is 0.044 percent of 100 billion, and really the church is probably worth more like 250 billion. So it'd be like. 0.022%, which is a lot more than I've given, but it's still very, very low levels of giving. Yeah, I feel like if the if you think that the widow's might is really powerful, then how powerful would be the mega corporation's might? So. <laughs> oh my God, this is their might. <laughs> yeah, it's their might. Give them a break. I think, I honestly, it bothers me when people complain about someone's giving and like, could the church afford to give more? Sure, they could. But like, who are you to say that? Like, instead of being like, wow, this is awesome. $44 million is going to change 2 million lives. Like, this is going to go really far. Instead, they're just like, why don't you give more? And I, I, I don't, I just can't like see that and not just think like, wow, that's so entitled. But, you know, that's my take on it. Yeah, I guess uh, I want to ask how much they like. What's the dollar amount that they would have to give before we'd be like, "Good job." Because if they oh, gave away one job. billion, they might just be like, "Well, that's only one percent." And it's like, okay, well, clearly they can't make you happy. So <laughs> that's a very good point. Now, if you look at the church's humanitarian reports for the last two years, the church has claimed in both of the last the, in 2021, the church may, uh, gave away, according to the church, almost a billion dollars, and in 2022, the church gave a little bit over a billion dollars. Of course, that is also counting the fast offerings as part of that giving. But yeah, I mean, the church is in the ballpark here of, say, the top, maybe in the top 15 of the most charitable organizations in the United States, maybe somewhere between 10th and 15th, based upon a billion dollars a year. And it's kind of like, you know, for some people, they can't celebrate the church in any capacity, and they always have to be critical. And that's kind of sad. When someone gives away $44 million, which is going to be given directly to people who are in need, uh, those are the type of things, in my opinion, that should be celebrated. This article here, um, we're going from the sublime to the ridiculous here. And this one really caught my eye here. The, the title of this article is, What Happens When You Cross a Mormon with a Vegan and an Erectile Dysfunction Supplement? So this is from The Sun here. This was published just a couple of days ago on August 8, 2023, um, by Rod McPhee. And it says, Viagra Conman, the shocking true story of how a Mormon and a vegan made millions with a law-breaking natural sex bill to be exposed in a documentary. And now here is the individual who we're talking about here. This is a vegan herb abori. I hope I'm saying that right. He sold a sexual enhancement supplement. Again, he, he's a, a Latter-day Saint. And the title of the supplement here, this is a good name for a supplement. It's called <laughs> Stiff Nights. Male sexual stimulant regain the thunder, and you get 12, 12. There's 12 pills that you get when you buy this stuff. Um, this is what what you get away from this article. This is one. This is one heck of an article here. So the the whole premise of of the controversy with it was that he claimed that the pill was totally natural and that it didn't have any like um, anything in it other than these you know, natural like you could treat it like a supplement and people could just pop it like it's nothing and people were popping it like it was nothing but it turns out that when the food and drug administration looked at it they were like this is not nothing it's got the same drug in it that viagra has which i don't know how to pronounce it and uh so <laughs> no no not that not that and uh anyway so it was um it was really bad that he was doing this just because uh, it can it can interact with people's medication and it's not as safe to be taking as, you know, a natural supplement would be anyway. Well, um, like people use Viagra in the past for like blood pressure control. Oh, my God. Like so it actually yeah it, it does mess with it could mess with your heart and your yeah. blood pressure. If, 
if you're anyway, mixing it with other medications. Stiff Nights was a great name, uh, but uh, very false advertising. And Reclaim the Thunder is a great slogan. So I, I was thinking that too. Reclaim the Thunder. Yes, this, this, so there's been an investigation that was launched into the great erection deception, and that's where the action really hotted up. This is according to the article. Is there, is it, you know, is it me, or is it seems like Mormons are always into the supplements, and then when you find out what's in the supplements, you kind of wish that you had never... Is it me, or is there a lot of Utah-related Mormon supplements? Why is it there that there's always some controversy with a Mormon who's trying to sell you some supplements, and you better not find out what's inside? I literally had a neighbor two doors down trying to sell us some supplements. And then also, I've gotten a lot of Mormons trying to sell us uh, essential oils. And so I don't know. I think I, I don't know what it is that it's, it's that drive to find purpose and have something that's bigger than you and, and to also help people and to also get rich. And it's like it's just such a, a enticing thing, the supplement world and the, you know, MLM world. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to know if there was an MLM element to his his uh, boner pills here, because like <laughs> Mormons definitely have a propensity toward MLMs. In fact, they, I don't remember if I brought this up last time, but I remember like reading about way back in the day they had to they had to like have a, a rule in the church that um that high-ranking authorities are not allowed to accept stock as because people would give them free stock in their company or whatever and then they'd be like look the prophet invested in my company so oh that's right. if he invested in it then you ought to invest in it too there's just a lot of trust in mormon circles so uh really crappy people can get in there and exploit that trust with mlms and things like that yeah, I think that all came back from the, uh, they called it AFCO with a Paul Dunn. We all know Paul Dunn told the uh, fake promoting stories about being a World War II war hero and also a member of the Cardinals baseball team. But it turned out that on the side, he was also promoting AFCO, which was an insurance company. And it turned out that that was an MLM. And he was a 70, a general authority 70 at the time, which he was using his influence to get people to invest in the company. And after that, I think that's when the rule came down from the church headquarters that says members of the quorum, uh, senior members of the church, can't be on the boards of directors of any of these uh, MLM type companies because it's an extremely bad look. And this is yet another example, I guess, of people who are hawking, you know, hawking quack medicines and and, and potentially uh, irresponsible drugs to people. And I just I find I found it to be very amusing when you talk about crossing a Mormon with a vegan and an erectile dysfunction. <laughs> I don't know. Twi I, I have a subscription to all the Google News, and somehow it just knew that I was going to be interested in that article. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah, that's a weird that's a weird thing to say because it's like it, I feel like being a vegan might be an excommunicatable offense in Mormonism. <laughs> oh, I just think Mormons will make fun of you if you're like every Mormon I know. If if I told them I'm, I'm going to be a vegan now, they'd be like, "What the hell's wrong with you, Nancy boy?" <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that you say that because the Doctrine and Covenants literally and in Section 89 it says you're only supposed to eat meat in times of famine. So it seems like you'd be in pretty good company there. But I mean, do you think we're supposed to take the Word of Wisdom seriously? <laughs> only the part where it says do not drink anything hot. Yeah, not yeah, the part where it the says. Yeah, part. not the part where it says that beer's okay. <laughs> not the part where it says yeah, meat sparingly. Hey, now, so I just want to remind you that we all of these episodes we release Mormon News Roundup live every Sunday night, 9:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, and you're certainly welcome to come into the live chat. Last week we had 36 people in the live chat, which was an all-time high, and we're hoping to increase that uh, as well. So um, feel free to stop back on by. And I'm also going to um, cut up some shorts from this episode, which you can put either on a porch time or my spiritual life. Uh, you know, I'm going to give those to you for for fun and for free. That's just what I what I sort of do. So hopefully we can spread the good uh, word about the Mormon News Roundup. Now our next uh, our next article here. Um, I, I want to show this to you, and this caught my eye as well. This is a Utah anti-pornography camp is accused of abusing teens. And this was published on a raw story on August 7th, 2023. And the crazy thing about this story is as soon as I heard that it was an anti-pornography camp, I didn't see that it was Utah first, but I just guessed somehow deep inside of me, I just happened, I just felt that this thing was going to somehow be in Utah. And sure enough, it was. So apparently some of these kids here uh, have looked at pornography more than once um, and so they're sent to these, uh, this very, very abusive camp in the middle of the nowhere for months or even years where they don't, according to the article, they have no running water, phones, internet access, out, uh, or contact with the outside world. And, um, you know, they're, they're forced to pee in Gatorade bottles. This is absolutely horrific, all because somebody looked at, you know, some pornography online. This is just, this is incredible. I just can't believe what I'm reading here. Well, you have to save young boys from the abnormal condition of wanting to look at boobs. <laughs> Um, so it, I guess I, I don't, I don't know much about this camp thing, but anytime I hear about a, a camp, cause here's the thing, I, I think porn is probably doing a lot of wrecking young people's minds. Like I, I think exposure to hardcore porn at a very, very young age is kind of 
probably not good for you. Um, but it's none of it is nearly as bad as Mormons think they. And this is the place where I'm pretty heavily critical of the church. And they drop the ball pretty heavily on uh, sexual shame and stuff like that. Um, I mean, they, they'll tell you it's the sin next to murder, and but they don't specify like, oh, what type of sexual sin are we talking? Adultery? Are we talking, you know, sexual assault? Or, or are you just talking about a kid looking at looking at boobs? <laughs> He's done the sin next to murder. But anytime you hear about any like a camp like this, I, I immediately <laughs> sort of am on edge. Like, oh, there's a there's a camp all all about not looking at porn. It it's, it always seems to be sort of extreme people who run those camps. From what I can tell, I don't know about this one specifically, but it sounds like it. No, I would say the punishment the doesn't fit the crime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depriving somebody it says for years because they looked at some porn. Now, obviously, if you are, um, you know, if you're looking at it five times a day, ten times a day, very disgusting and degrading material, and it's taking over your entire personality, and you're not able to function and things like that. I, I guess there's a difference. I mean, somebody occasionally looks at some pornography, a Mormon parent freaks out and then sends them to a year-long camp where they're deprived of all contact and then are eventually abused. That's 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 very disturbing to me. Well, and I could see where a parent would be like, well, I am saving my kid because pornography is a sin. If I send them to this camp, I'm actually saving them from all the the judgment that God would pass on this on this kid for doing this thing. And so I understand where... You know, I'm sure they didn't know about the abuse, but that where they would think, oh, this is good for the child. But like, I think the worst thing you can do for a kid who's struggling with anything is to send them away from their family, because that's automatically going to um, ostracize them and make them feel unloved and unwanted and unsafe. And it's just going to cause a lot of issues for them. Um, yeah. So I just disagree with the approach altogether. Yeah, it kind of feels like um, everybody understands the adage of desperate times call for desperate measures. So what you have to do to convince parents to go to these more desperate lengths is convince them that the measure that times are more desperate than they actually are. Yeah. Like if I convince you that like your kid needs to, um, I don't know, he's drinking diet soda twice a week or something like that. And like, and I convince you, like you have to send him to this camp. Otherwise this diet soda is going to make him suicidal or something like that. <laughs> if I actually convince you that's a the thing, then it feels like, that's an appropriate measure to take. Then send him to this. Sure. I like it soon. Sounds extreme. I don't want to send my kid to a camp, but he's going to be suicidal if we don't nip this diet Coke problem in the bud. <laughs> and so, yeah, they just kind of convince them that this is this is a huge, huge, huge deal. When really, if you catch your kid watching porn, I, I always feel like it's the same as if you catch your kid smoking pot. You say, don't do that, but don't make a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, I looked up on the American Psychological Association in the manual, and it says that uh, porn addiction is not a, quote, true addiction. It's not like any of the other, you know, addiction to cigarettes or addiction to alcohol. And, and uh, the mental health community, mo most, if not all, of, of the mental health community has yet to recognize porn addiction as a real diagnosable mental health condition like drugs or alcohol. So it seems like we're doing, you know, my, my one of my brothers um, suffered severely from alcoholism for a number of years of his life, very debilitating, had significant impacts on his life. But the difference here is that 90% of uh, North American males, 90% of them between like the ages of 18 and 50, look at pornography at least once a week. So if we're sending all of these uh, a, a weekly, is that an addiction? If we're sending 90% of yeah. people to an abusive camp for something that is extremely common, what what are we doing here? This 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 is really really bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They say if it, they if they catch their teenager watching porn three times a week, they think it's an addiction. Where real porn addiction is the guys that are up all night, like you said, who cannot stop watching it. And I, I think that real porn addiction does exist, even though the psychological you know association doesn't. But I think what most Mormon boys have is not a porn addiction. Yeah. I mean, I've met guys who in the past have like watch porn for like the second they come home from work, they start watching porn and they don't stop. Or like, watch it at work. Or they watch it at they're work. There's, so there's guys that yeah. have a problem, but I think they're actually pretty rare. I think most people, yeah. because you'll be convinced as the church will convince you as like a 14 year old boy that if, if you looked at boobs once, basically you have an addiction and that's the desperate times thing. They make it seem like a desperate situation because they use the word addiction. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some people who have completely bankrupted themselves by paying for online pornography of services of live, live pornography and things like that. And then they stolen and ruined their entire, you know, stolen to get paid for money and to, to fund these things and bankrupt themselves. And then that, that 
I think that's a totally different plane than what the average person is. I just, I don't want to see, you know, people who are, you know, the typical Mormon teenage boy who occasionally looks at pornography, like 90% of North American males do, ending up in abusive camp. I think that that's absolutely wrong. Now, uh, for our listeners out there, let, let us know what you think. We're on Instagram. Mormon News Roundup is on Instagram. Um, drop us a comment. Drop us a thought. Let us know your thoughts on this uh, you, the Utah, quote, anti-pornography account. Is it uh, something that, um, that should be condemned or is it something that um, has a use? Let us know. We'd be great, very grateful for that. Now, we're coming into some of the uh, big articles that happened this week. Another big article that hit here, guys, was, um, you know, the Cody, Wyoming Temple that was announced back, I, want to, I, I believe it was in 2019. And it has gone through a lot of turmoil and a lot of tribulation. And this is the latest from this week here. We've got a lot on this. The LDS uh, Church, their representatives told the city of Cody, Wyoming, which is a tiny town in Wyoming, only has about 10,000 people in a very small community, close-knit community. It says, hey, if you don't let us get our temple in here, we're going to sue you. And guess what? We're going to put a herd on you, and it's going to cost your city a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this is just, you know, Morgan, a lot of people are saying, wow, that, that's how we're supposed to be building temples is by threatening people with lawsuits. <laughs> threaten the taxpayers that's how we uh that's how the lord wants it to go down <laughs> yeah i mean just un unbelievable that we're, we're having to threaten this the lds uh let me quote from the article lds representatives said that the potential litigation will be costly for the citizens and the city and that it's one that they would likely lose in the courts because there's a federal law that protects religious rights and basically they're telling the city council you let us have our temple the way that we want or we're gonna and we're gonna bankrupt your city it's going to cost millions of dollars to defend this lawsuit that we're going to do, and then we're going to appeal it, and we're going to appeal that. And do you want to be spending millions of dollars to defend your city from this temple, or do you just want to um, let us build it? And um, we're going to find out later what happened on this, Jared. Is um, I always I always ask the question, you know, who would Jesus sue? Would he sue the city of Cody, Wyoming? What do you think? <laughs> what? Who would Jesus sue? Oh my God! Uh, yeah, WWJS. Uh, who would Jesus sue? <laughs> God, so I want I'm, that as a bumper sticker. I'm like generally pretty like free market with this kind of thing. Like if you buy a, a plot of land, do with it what you want or whatever. But it it does also feel like there's like a good faith to this that you gotta have. With if this town really really doesn't want your temple and you fight them tooth and nail and you um try to sue them and like I don't know if if they what kind really of message don't are you sending? Yeah, you're to just be like, okay, we'll build it somewhere else. It seems like that would be the good faith gesture. Like, I, as far as as far as I'm concerned, build your temple where you will. It's your plot of land. You own it. That's fine. Well, it's closer. This is the suing is closer to the Brigham Young approach, which probably would have just been to like burn everyone else's houses down <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah, Jenna Reese, uh, she, um, uh, she, she uh, is a columnist there for religionnews.com, very popular columnist, and she uh, covered this article, and she said that this is Mormons behaving badly. But when you read the article, it's interesting who she says is behaving badly. She says, while the church has handled the controversy politely, politely. <laughs> some individual members have not. Wait a minute, you're threatening to sue this small town, but you're doing it in a very polite way. You're, you're issuing the subpoena very politely. And she's, uh, she brings out in the article that some of the members of the church there have uh, engaged in um, some vandalism of signs that so some members of the church have taken down some of the protect our Cody neighborhood signs and have vandalized some of the property. But she seems to be making the argument that the church here is well within its rights to sue this small town and that only a few couple of members have beha are behaving badly. Is that how you see it, Morgan? Um, I will say that I did think it was funny when uh, in the article it mentions there like people, you know, probably members maybe not but uh drawing things like uh satan you know and saying like anyone who um who would question the height of a spire at the elias temple because that was one thing in controversy was how tall they were going to be allowed to build the building and they were like anyone questioning that must be in league with the devil like you know and uh, i just thought that was super funny but yeah essentially i just i think that um if you uh if you want to present as being these members who are following Christ, my thought would be that you would want to uh, try to be respectful and kind. And because a lot of these members don't want it because of the light pollution and because of it being a residential area and they have their reasons for not wanting it, you would think, can you just not find another plot? Like, why is it that you have to leverage a lawsuit? And that just seems really a, a, a really rude thing to do if maybe not you know legally not illegal but certainly rude yeah they're clearly not doing anything illegal it's they're they're just kind of i, I don't know it's it feels sleazy because they are well within their rights to try to buy a plot of land and they are well within their rights to 
try to sue the town, but it's still a crappy thing to do. Like you, you have the freedom to be kind of a dick if you'd like to, but you're still kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah. In fact, this is a, this is a, from a, the Twitter reaction here. It says that according to J the Jana Reese piece here, it says, this is one of the most hateful and vindictive things I've ever read. Jana Reese is an off the rails bigot. And, and the reason that, that that is, is because bigots mean, you know, it's bigoted because, you know, if you're saying that you shouldn't be able to build a church, that's bigoted because that's religious persecution. That's religious discrimination. And Jenna Reese seems to, you know, in her article is pointing out the fact that, you know, not everybody wants this particular temple. And if you're not on the side of the church here, then you're not, you know, you're squelching people's rights. I have a right to be able to worship and build a humongous building. And um, if you're against that, then you're a bigot. You're religiously persecuting us. Is that a good take? I think you're only a bigot if you complain about a Muslim church being built, actually. Ah, makes sense. <laughs> it feels kind of like everybody just... Mormonism isn't a protected class. We're basically, <laughs> we're basically a, a victimhood culture at this point. We love, love, love to be victims. It's sort of a social thing. And I, I would love for Mormons to try to be above that, but they're just not at this point. They're like, no, we're victims too. And like, we're going to get on in on this victim action and and pretend that we're being, it's, I don't know, I, because you could say that definitionally, maybe it's discriminatory to say, no, we don't want a Mormon temple here or whatever, but it doesn't change the fact that they don't want a Mormon temple there. Like true, so you're discriminating and it's only going to sour your relationship with them to try to sue them into that. Every time they see that temple, they're going to get pissed. They're going to be like, I hate Mormons. Well, They'll become legitimately bigoted against Mormons if you drive them into Anyone that. against the temple being built there is clearly not a member, you know, and there might be some weird member who just doesn't want it right there or something, but it, they're clearly not a member. And why would you put a bad taste in their mouth when they could possibly be someone that could be converted at some point? So that I, you know, for that reason, I don't know why you wouldn't um, just try to appease them. Just relocate it to our neighborhood. It increases property values quite. <laughs> He's like, I wouldn't care if they build a temple here. It, it, it like, uh, it would raise our house's value. But I don't know if that's true, but that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's only 3,000 members of the church in Cody, and probably only 1,000 of them are actually active. Maybe, let's say, out of the 1,000 that are active, 750 of them are adults, and then out of the people who actually attend the temple, maybe 500. So we're going to we're gonna upset an entire community. We're going to threaten a lawsuit just so that 500 members of the church have a slightly closer commute to the temple. For me, that's not exactly winning hearts and minds. But um, I'm giving a little tyrannical, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me let me play this for you because actually here the LDS Temple just in the last couple of days it has been approved. Well, sort of. Let me play this for you. Controversy in Cody, Wyoming over construction now slated to begin on an LDS temple. Cody's Planning and Zoning Board approved the project late last night despite a groundswell of community opposition. The temple is set to be built on land near the end of Skyline Drive. Homeowners in the area raised concerns over bright lights and a proposed 100-foot tower blocking scenic views. LDS representatives agreed to make tower lights less bright and turn them off between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. There was talk of reducing the tower height as well, but the city is leaving that decision up to the church. Final vote included mitigations that had been talked about, such as lighting, um, but it removed the, dis the language related to the height of the steeple, which would have been proposed to be reduced to 85 feet. As soon as the city issues a building permit, construction can begin. All right, Jared, so they threatened that they were... Wherever was, we are. In there was a lot of pushback. A lot of people said that they didn't want it. There was the Preserve Our Cody Neighborhoods. The church said, hey, let's talk about it. They had a bunch of uh, open meetings and stake centers. They had they had the church representatives up there. They had the stake presidents. They said, hey, let's talk it over. It took, it took months. They went back to the drawing board. And then when the city council finally uh, voted a couple of times and said, thanks, but no thanks, they said, oh, by the way, we're going to sue you. And then as soon as they did, the city council said, it's going to be approved. What a miraculous, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Wow. I, I kind of want to live in Cody now. Like it, <laughs> I feel like the spirit, like watching that clip, I'm like, oh, the spirit of, of Cody, Wyoming, makes me think of like Clint Eastwood scowling at a bunch of kids, like, get the hell off my lawn. <laughs> like a bunch of people just like, this is my small town. Go away. Oh, my God. It's my kind of place. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, now, our, Morgan, our number one competitor in the Mormon news uh, realm is called This Week in Mormons. And I just want to they covered this uh, controversy, if you will. And I just want to show you what they said. Uh, they tweeted this out on August 10th, tw uh, at 12 o'clock p.m. They said compromise leads to approval. What? Compromise? compromise. What? 
What 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 am I missing? Com- that it is a compromise when you decide not to sue someone, then you're then it's you're like, compromising. It's like a time that dude really wanted some money from me, and I told him no, and he said let's compromise, and he pulled out a gun. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. That metaphor is perfect. Yeah, yeah. I was actually very, I was that actually very like, uh, compliant. It makes me that. sad. It feels like um, the church just has so much money that they can that they can just kind of get away with something like that. I, I feel like it, that's really sad. Yeah, um, yeah, they, de- they definitely can, and they were going to put. They their spokesperson put it out. They said through press statements, "We're coming for you, Cody, Wyoming, and it's going to be millions of dollars to defend yourself. You can either go through court and then probably lose because there's a federal law on the books that basically says that uh, religious institutions, religious um, re- religions can build almost any building that they want. It hasn't really been tested a lot, but the church has said we're going to take this not just to Wyoming court, we're going to take this to federal court. You know, and, and it's going to be really costly for you. You're going to have to hire legal counsel." And that just kind of reminds me of this meme. I'm a big fan of the uh, Trek Smo who does uh, some funny memes here. This is a Star Trek meme here. It says, this has got three guys here from Star Trek that says, we're your worst nightmare, Cody. We're Curtin and McConkie. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that seems to have uh, pushed it over the finish line here. Uh, not exactly, in my opinion, winning hearts and minds. Any, any last thoughts on this, Cody Wyoming here, guys? Mm. Oh, I had something. Was, you know, I forgot what I was going to say. But, yeah, I just, well, I just think I think that it's just – sad you know i i think yeah that that's all if they're well it's they're absolutely within their rights to like their religious rights to build a temple wherever they want but it, i'm also like well within my rights to like i don't know paint my house hot pink it doesn't mean the people around me are gonna like it and it's kind of a i don't know like i could i could put a sign in my front yard that said like I don't like Jews or whatever. I'm, I'm within my rights to do that, but I think that if, <laughs> people if you, aren't gonna like it. I think from the member perspective, there may be this thought that like them leveraging suing is like what God would want because God wants a temple in Cody, Wyoming, and it's God's desire that that happens. And so this is where with any religion you can get into like the ends justify the means, which is really scary thinking. Like okay. Well, God wants this temple here, so whatever we do to make that happen is totally okay because this is what God wants, and that's just that's scary. That's that's scary territory. Yeah, that's that's all I'll say about that. That's a really nice thought, and also this isn't the only place where the church is uh, threatening legal uh, action for the temple. If you look at uh, the Heber City Council, they're also weighing in now that the church has signaled also in Heber City they're trying to build a temple there. And uh, the, the the same thing is happening here with the city council saying, you know, we really don't want your temple, or if it is, it's not going to be the kind of temple that you're used to. You're going to have to restrict your lighting and all this other stuff. And the thing about uh, Heber Valley Temple is they have a little bit more money than Cody, Wyoming is because they're a little bit of a larger organization. And so the church has already um, lawyered up, and so has the uh, Heber City Council. They've uh, engaged the Wasatch County District Attorney's Office. This is probably going to go to court as well. The church is continuing to say, hey, if you don't let us build our temple where we want, when we want, how we want, we are going to take this to court. And it's going to be a very expensive proposition. It looks like Heber City is fighting back because they have a little bit more money. You know, the, the tax base of Heber City has got Midway and some of those other, um, you know, Wasatch County is a lot larger, has a larger tax base. They can afford to fight these things. But for a small town like Cody, Wyoming, they, they can't fight and they're going to lose. So, yeah, the church, again, is signaling that uh, it's my way or the highway. Yeah, when you kind of got to look at if the requests are reasonable or not. I don't. So I, I'm not super privy to all of the details of the requests of Cody because there might be just people that are like, no, we don't want the Mormons or whatever. But um, it it's kind of like dealing with an HOA. I feel like I hate dealing with HOAs. I never want to live in one. Um, so I I feel like if if the HOA tells me you're not allowed to have your garage door open at noon until three o'clock, I'll be like, shut up. This is my property. I'll sue you. <laughs> but if they're like, okay, quit, quit piling cars up on your front lawn. That feels like a pretty reasonable request. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you, uh, for those out, out there on YouTube, will you leave us a thumbs up? Will you leave us a five-star rating? If you're listening, we're on Apple, we're on uh, Apple podcast, we're on Spotify. Can you leave us a five-star review? We'd be very grateful for that. Another thing that hit the news this week, guys, is this uh, crazy story that happened in Provo here. You know, President Biden came out. He visited uh, Utah. And while he was there, um, just before he arrived in Utah here, um, President Biden was doing some fundraising in Park City. And he met with uh, 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 Governor Cox. Utah man Craig Robertson was shot dead during an FBI raid of his uh, residence after he posted messages 
threatening the lives of President Biden and New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Just two days ago, Robertson posted, hey, FBI, you're still monitoring my social media, checking so I can be sure to have a loaded gun handy in case you drop by again. And it turns out that Craig Robertson, guys, is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or I guess was. Yeah. Ooh, yep, yep. Yeah, he seems... Part of it, I like chalk up to like an old guy not understanding that the things that you say on the internet um, are out there and they're actually real, you know. And so, like, obviously, threats of violence are not protected speech. Um, yeah. I also like I don't know. I've I've heard people say mean things about I don't know people I know have threatened violence against Biden or Trump, you know. And, and I always know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Right, um, right. So I, I don't know what happened with the FBI raid. We They said they're not going to release body cam footage. I don't know why. Um, that's always it a little bit Seems kind tricky. of incriminating, yeah. But um, if I, I would understand if they have messages from him saying, come see me, FBI. I'll make sure I have a gun. I would understand, you know, that makes the situation much more tense. And, you know, I... I, I think if he had pulled a gun on them, it would have said so in the article. I also think that they would have released the body cam footage if it didn't look shady. Right, but they explicitly said they're not releasing it. Not that they don't have it, they're not releasing it. So it's all kind of weird. The article that I read said that he did indeed pull a gun. I don't know that for a certainty, but mm -hmm. um, he supposedly did. And, you know, he's part of what a lot of people are, are calling the Desnat. Um, and he's, you know, shot in the FBI in Provo. I guess that makes him an ex-Mormon now, though, doesn't it, guys? <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah sure we'll, we'll take him yeah yeah absolutely now here's the uh, facebook uh, feed here um from what he wrote here from his just from a couple of days ago um biden is a tyrant uh semper tyrannis um they're shilling out for the bidens here um th there's a bunch of n-words here a title of liberty um the doctor just prescribed a 12-gauge enema for joe biden joe and <laughs> oh hunter gosh. biden um it, it was a lot of really, really hateful and uh, bigoted uh, language here. And I, I just saw, saw this uh, tweet here from David Osler, who also, he runs a very popular podcast. And I find this to be very remarkable here because he, he tweets this out and he says, from all appearances, this guy seems like a great LDS member. What? what? I mean, at least until you look at his Facebook, it's tragedy that the FBI solution is to shoot to kill. As Latter-day Saints, we need to denounce violence and extremism, especially within our own group. Um, so, seems seems like a great member. So uh, seems like a great member, I think, because he was a ward clerk or assistant ward clerk or something like that. He had a Mormon calling. He was going to church. Um, but the, the the disconnect here, though, in my opinion, is that um, he's saying right there that we need to make sure we're denouncing violence. Mormonism does denounce violence. They they always have like. Um, outside of some sketchy stuff, like toward the beginning of, you know, <laughs> Brigham Young and everything, but, but like they, they always denounce violence. So um, I don't know. There's a lot of people that will say that will blame Mormonism for the Desnet problem and for these like far right extremists and, and especially the ones that are like calling for violence and stuff like that. But as far as I can tell, Mormonism always has denounced violence. So I don't know that you can blame Mormonism for this, but that's my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I got this tweet here by John DeLynn here. He says, do I believe that Mormonism causes hate? I do not. Do I believe that Mormon church leaders could do more to reduce or eliminate such hate? I do. And if you look at the LDS Member Tools app, is it? I think they call it Member Tools now. I'm not Latter-day Saint Member Tools anymore. Member Tools. If somebody pulled up his board there um, in Provo, and sure, he has a temple recommend with a status that's active. It was issued in October of 21. A regular, uh, he has a regular temple recommend. And somebody also pulled up in the member tools that he had a current calling as an assistant ward clerk. And this is the guy here who we see in the photos that's extremely militant and spewing all kinds of hate. He's just sitting in the midst of what a lot of people would say looks like a typical provo guy. Yeah, I mean, I, so I guess my only... I don't know. I saw that Zelf on the Shelf tweet where they're talking about how the church should do more to stop this guy. Oh, here it is. Yeah, uh, Zelf on the Shelf. Pretty cool how the LDS church, you can make repeated politically charged death threats to national leaders and keep your calling as board clerk. But if you explain how to better protect kids from sexual abuse, you get excommunicated. Yeah, so obviously that's in reference to Sam Young and his protect LDS children thing, which, but, hey, I, I think he's a pretty cool guy. From what I can tell, Sam Young had a great... Um, a great cause but I, it also kind of seems to me like I, I don't know what what are they wanting are they wanting the church to monitor the members social media feeds because 
I don't know. I, I, I do feel like most people, like if, if I knew that guy, if I'd be like, Hey, maybe chill out, dude. Like if nothing else than for your own safety, <laughs> the FBI is going to raid you. Well, and here's the thing there's no question in the temple recommend interview that says like, have you threatened anyone with violence lately? If you, you know, they <laughs> ask you if you're keeping the commandments and there's no commandment that says don't threaten violence. So uh, again, like, yeah, it was, it was stupid that he was doing that. It was gross that he was doing that. But, um, there's a contrast between what Sam Young did and what this guy did. And Sam Young was explicitly going against church doctrine and saying that church doctrine needed to change and church policy needed to change. And I think that's more why he got excommunicated. Like this is this guy's political opinion. Are you going to excommunicate him for his political opinion? Um, and, and some can make a case to say maybe you should, but like, I just, I don't know. I see that those two issues very differently. See, I don't, yeah. I don't see a problem with like, if a Bishop were to be like, dude, you have to quit like doing death threats if you want a temple recommend. <laughs> Pulling his temple recommend, like maybe do maybe do less death threats, you know. <laughs> right. um, but I don't know. I I don't know. See, most people I know that have been in wards are not super active on Facebook and things like that. So right. They might not have even known. Yeah, and to be clear, I, he shouldn't have been doing that, in my opinion. I just I also think that blaming the church for this is is not the right way to go about it. Yeah, let me just so the church did respond to this through the Desert News. They tweeted this out here and they said in a statement posted on Facebook, the family said that they are, quote, shocked and devastated by the senseless and tragic killing of our beloved father and brother. We fervently mourn the loss of a good and decent man. And it just seems like every time that it comes out that somebody is really either off the rails, is threatening the president of the United States and other people explicitly, repeatedly, over and over again. He, he was threatening, you know, President Biden was coming to Utah. He says, you know, I'm going to be coming for you. You know, those type of things. Then when he is, um, you know, when he's killed, then we have to retreat to, no, oh, he was a really good Mormon. He was a really good and decent man. And th that includes like uh, David Haight, who was the killer in Enoch this last year, who did the murder-suicide of like seven people. No, he was a good Mormon. He was a good man. They always seem to just say, oh, this was just a one-off. We can't explain it. We have no idea. But he was really good. Don't, just, don't, don't look at that tweet. Don't look at his incredibly... Um, bigoted is his homophobic rhetoric, the fact that he's threatening people and making explicit threats with guns. Don't look at that. Look at the fact that he was an assistant ward clerk. He was a good guy. Look at the fact that he looked like he was an assistant ward clerk. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean, on the other side, it's his family that's making a statement. And yeah, I what are they supposed I don't to say? Like, I yeah, don't, yeah. can't really expect his family to be like, yeah, I disown posthumously my dad he's a piece of shit he's a bigot all this stuff I'm so know. glad People, the fbi yeah like what are you gonna I, say i, I, I always know. i always condemn um actions not people it's actually very difficult to judge if a person is a good person or not it's, it's actually very easy to judge if an action is a good action or not and and i can absolutely say that like constant death threats probably a bad action that, that seems pretty easy to say um, yeah. And, yeah, and, and but the guy doing it, he's also probably does a lot of good action. That's what they're. It's it's usually more of a shock thing. Like you hear the guy doing the murder suicide. It's a lot of people being shocked. Like, oh my god, this is crazy. The the vision of this guy that I have in my head. Like he took me to 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 scout camp. He taught yeah. me how to tie a bowline hitch or whatever. He he, you know, did fast all this stuff, all this good stuff. So it blows my mind the duality here that he could do this terrible thing and he could. Also, also do all these good, good things. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, somebody tweeted this out, the third Nephite there on uh, Twitter. Let me read this to you. It says, now that the one of its members has been killed in a confrontation with the FBI, will the Mormon church finally be willing to address its Desnat problem? And I really think that this basically gets to the heart of the issue is that there is a Desnat problem. Craig Robertson embodies the Desnat problem, and the church has really not confronted the Desnat issue in any meaningful way. Um, and this is an example of that. Is that a fair treatment, or what are your thoughts? I just don't know enough about Desnat, really, because, I mean, I'm an ex-Mormon, and people have called me Desnat before. <laughs> I don't know what it means, because it, it kind of just, like, there are, I've met some of these online Desnat people who actually like use the hashtag and, and say all these terrible racist things and, and stuff. So I, there are some of them that do that, but it, we've almost like lost sight of what the word even means. It, it feels like calling somebody a Nazi, you know, or calling somebody a, a bigot because that could mean just about anything right now. And it's just the Mormon version of that. To me, it's the same thing as trying to blame the Chad and Lori thing on Mormonism. Like, 
did that set the stage for some really bad things? Like in some ways, but probably her mental illness was way more a factor than Mormonism was. And for those who don't know, that that was a, a woman that allegedly, you know, killed her kids. Unless she's guilty. Um, <laughs> she, well, yeah, she yeah, I guess convicted. she's guilty now. But anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is like, when you go to church service, they're preaching love, they're preaching be like Jesus, they're preaching kindness. So I think the Desnat thing isn't something you can really blame Mormonism for. Um, but that's my take on it. Yeah, let me just give you one last take on this Craig Robertson thing. And this came from Sam Brunson on By Common Consent, who has a really great blog over there. It's basically must-read material every single week. And Tino Blanco, who follows LDS News better than almost anyone out there, he tweeted this out. The LDS leadership knows how to address right-wing extremism among church members. Their brethren's response to the Mormon tax protesters in the 1970s was direct, forceful, and included ecclesiastical penalties for failing to comply. So what the Sam Brunson's article basically points out is that if the church wanted to, they could really get ahead of the Desnat problem of people like Craig Robertson. Include uh, if you're affiliating with it, then you, your membership could be called into, into question. And you could, you know, we have the Strengthening Church Members Committee that's looking for, you know, people out there that are posting negative things about the church. Why don't, instead of using the Strengthening Church Members Committee to try to root out uh, apostates, why don't you use it to try to find people like Craig Robertson and try to get him some help before he meets his untimely demise? Any last thoughts on this one, guys? I guess I just don't like the Strengthening Church Members Committee. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most ex-Mormons I talk to are like, yeah, that's weird how they're spying on you and stuff. I would rather they just not have that thing. They just get rid of it. But I, I guess the other thing is, um, I I don't know how effective it would be because the church already says don't be violent. They're pretty firm on do not commit violence. So I don't I'm unsure why that guy thinks that that isn't convincing to this man to not threat violence. But if you were to tell him do not commit right wing violence, I don't know I don't know how that would change his mind any more than just a normal don't commit violence. I I feel like in in my opinion, if they were to try to, you know, be more forceful in trying to shut this down, that it would have little effect because this guy clearly not totally mentally well to be posting those things that he's posting. And someone who's not mentally well, it, like their bishop coming to them and saying, hey, don't do that. How much is that really going to affect things? Like, um, I think uh, I think if you, yeah. I, I think just, a bishop totally I should be like, if the bishop sees that, he can be like, hey, buddy what are you doing? And like talk to him about it or something. But I don't, I don't like the idea of the strengthening church members committee. I oh, I agree. I, I think it's too far, but I, ultimately I just don't know that the, I almost think the best approach the church can take with this, in my opinion, is to ignore it because they're not causing it. So I don't think it's their problem to fix, but maybe that's, I don't know. I mean, they can, they roundly condemn violence and I, I think they should keep doing that, you know, and, but treat it like an egalitarian sort of condemnation of violence you know you don't have to specify the church doesn't have to be against like right-wing or left-wing violence it just has to be against violence okay no, really appreciate that that's we're going to transition from this uh, particular uh heinous um heinous uh, act here to our featured news article of the week here which is a really a thunderbolt that uh i, I saw this week and it's, this is the title of the article here from bloomberg law mormon church must face fraud lawsuit over tithing spending and the church allegedly lied about its tithing, um, that the church you know, paid money to a mall property. And the issue is a secular issue, and a jury could give the church an adverse ruling here. What are your guys' initial thoughts about this headline of the church facing a possible fraud lawsuit here with James Huntsman? So, okay, the idea is that they they claimed that tithing didn't pay for the the mall. So this guy yeah. was suing for his tithing money over the course of 20, 30 years. He paid five million. And Hinckley was president at the time and basically was like, oh, we're building a mall, but don't worry, we're not going to use tithing money on it. Right. And the lawsuit is asserting that it seems like they did use tithing money or the revenue from tithing money, not only for the mall, but also to bail out um, during the recession um, some of the, the church's for-profit entities. And so um, he's saying, uh, I was misled to what my tithing was going to. This wasn't charitable per stuff. This was for profit. And so I want my money back. And um, so my thought on that is personally, I think it's silly to sue a church over money you donated because I just think, okay, it's a church. You're going to donate that money. I, I just feel like you have to realize you're not going to get that back. 
Um, but I also think it was awful that the church built a mall and it was especially awful if they used tithing money for that personally, because um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a really, I don't know. I didn't like that the church did that, um, especially because they were selling alcohol at the mall. And while, you know, at general conference telling stories of members who burned their fields when they the joined vineyard. their, their vineyards, when they joined Mormonism, because they didn't want to make money off of alcohol anymore. It just felt like it was such a spit in the face of the members. So I personally, I just think suing was, was kind of silly. Um, uh, because I just, I don't know. I just feel like people just sue over whatever anymore. But, but then on the flip side, I just don't like that the church built the mall and that if they did use tithing money, I feel like that's really unethical and probably illegal. I'm not against the church having for-profit stuff. I just don't think that they should use tithing money for that. Well, I, so I remember the mall bothered me mostly because it is that whole, I remember the Alma the Younger thing where he's talking about his haughty appearance, appearance or whatever. <laughs> it seems really extravagant. It seems like a very worldly, um, vain endeavor. But And so that annoyed me. And back to the analogy of the the homeless guy, if I give a homeless guy $10 and he uses that $10 to buy beer and I, I, I'm going to be like, I wasted my money. That was a bad, that was a stupid move on my part. But if he then tells me, no, 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 I used a different $10 bill. I'm not going to all of a sudden be like, Oh, all right then. <laughs> so I feel like if, if I pay tithing to a church, knowing that they're building these for-profit things and, and I get mad that they use tithing money and they say, no, 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 I used a different $6 billion bill to, to <laughs> buy this mall. $6 billion bill. I'm not, I'm not going to all of a sudden be like, oh, I'm, I'm okay with that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the, uh, the, the article here from the Salt Lake Tribune. It says, in setback for the LDS Church, the appeals court has reinstated James Huntsman's tithing lawsuit. So it was originally heard at the lower level, and it was dismissed. James Huntsman then went ahead and appealed it. And we're getting the circuit court here or the appellate court's review. And in a two-to-one margin, they're going to send it back to the lower court and say, you need to relook at specifically the claims from mostly President Hinckley, but also the other presiding bishop, or I believe it was Bishop Budge, during this time frame in which there are multiple explicit mentions from church leaders saying that the City Creek Mall was not funded by tithing donations. Okay, now here's where the rubber meets the road. This is how the City Creek Mall basically was funded. You take the money from tithing. The, 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 the church has an operating budget, and you know about 80% of the tithing that comes in goes to the church's operating budget. The 20% that the church doesn't use, that goes into Ensign Peak. That then grows through mostly investments through the stock market, bonds, private and private equities, and other things. Then the church took the um, the proceeds from not not the initial 20%, but the interest and the uh, earnings from that initial 20%. They took 1.6 billion dollars and used that to invest into the City Creek Mall. So it's not the initial 20% of the tithing that we're talking about, it's the returns, the interest that was accumulated, basically the capital gains from the investments. So therefore you could say, well, it wasn't tithing that was used for the funding of the City Creek Mall. And what the judges have said is that this delineation, this subtle difference, an average juror or an average member of the church, when you say explicitly and repeatedly that no tithing was used, the, the differentiation between tithing and investment on earn uh, on earnings, that's something that is going to need to be adjudicated either by a judge or by a jury. That's basically what we got. That's my sum up. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so it's I shady just think, practices for sure. Yeah, it's shady. And that's why I think they wanted a jury to be the one to delineate that because it's so convoluted and complicated. Um, I just think uh, looking back, I'm like thinking about how much tithing I paid and I'm wondering you know, if you could calculate how much interest they've earned off of my tithing that I paid, and if I could then make the case that I don't have to pay tithing anymore because they are still earning mm -hmm. enough uh, interest off of my tithing that I don't really need to pay more. It's about you know? obedience, damn it. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the that's a good point. Uh, this is the big money quote from the article. It says, "In the face, to, uh, this is the biggest controversial statement in the face." April 2003 General Conference. Then President Gordon B. Hinckley insisted that tithing funds quote have not and will not be used, end quote, for the shopping center, stating that the money came from, quote, commercial entities owned by the church and the earnings of invested reserve funds. It's the have not and will not. If you're if the money that you get from the investments had been from tithing to begin with, that's the problem. That's the biggest problematic statement. And that's the thing that James Huntsman is saying. I paid my money to the church. 
assuming that it was going to be using for humanitarian purposes and not for commercial purposes, like investing in a for-profit mall. That's an allegation of fraud. It doesn't have anything to do with the church's uh, truth claims, like the Gaddy lawsuit or from the uh, Tom Phillips lawsuit. We're not talking about the church's foundational truth claims here. We're talking about material statements from senior church leaders, especially President Hinckley, who said that the City Creek Mall was not funded by tithing in any way, shape, or form. And it really looks like it probably was. And that's what's that, that's the whole problem here of why the church is facing this lawsuit. What do you think is going to happen with it, Jared? Mm, I, I mean, I think they, this is a stronger case than the Todd Phillips one, for sure. Because yeah, with the Todd so Phillips one, it's like, what are you going to say? Like, I'm going to prove in a court of law that the Mormon church is untrue. <laughs> but this, I, I don't know, they could have a leg to stand on. It's difficult. Like, part of it is that Gordon B. Hinckley wasn't a very... He wasn't good at lying, you know. He just kind of do it. Like he, I remember that whole the Stephen King or the, the Larry, uh, Larry, Larry, yeah, Larry King um, interview where he's like, "So you guys believe that you're going to become gods one day?" He's like, "I don't know that we teach that." <laughs> what are you talking about? That was either that was Blank either the lie. that was either the worst Gordon B. Hinckley impression or the best one. I can't I can't determine it. I don't, I don't do a very good Gordon B. Hinckley. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let, let me share this with you, too. This is from the, the, there was a summary judgment that came out here from the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. By the way, James Huntsman specifically brought this in California because they would have a more dim view of religion in general, right? There's more liberals in California. Anyway, this is the biggest statement here from, it's a 41-page judgment. I'm just going to read one little paragraph here. It says the panel, meeting the three judges, held that there was a genuine dispute of material fact as to whether the church fraudulently misrepresented the source of money used to finance the shopping mall development. Based on the evidence in the record, including statements by church officials and in church publication, a reasonable juror could conclude that the church knowingly misrepresented that no tithing funds were being or would be used to finance the shopping mall development, and that Huntsman reasonably relied on the church's misrepresentations. That's the real crux of the matter. And, uh, you know, could this have larger ramifications? If James Huntsman is able to get some money back because he paid money prior to the City Creek, you know, prior to City Creek, anyone who paid tithing prior to City Creek, could they then have a class action lawsuit where they would be getting money back? It wouldn't probably, in my opinion, go post City Creek, okay, because this is just for the City Creek mm -hmm. time frame only. Would this have a, lot, a larger ramification for people who pay tithing prior to the City Creek Mall? Uh, I certainly think that it could. I, that's my, the next thing I was thinking was, okay, let's say, cause I do think there's a chance that they could, that they, that this guy could win. And if he does, holy shit, like, is everyone going to be suing? Like, it's going to be insanity. Yeah, it really is. And in fact, if, if you look, it, it's interesting to see the actual court document here for publication. You see James Huntsman plaintiff versus the defendant, the corporation of the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's very interesting for me to see the church named as the uh, uh, as the defendant in this particular case. And by the way, the church has renamed themselves. They're no longer the corporation of the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They got rid of that that title. Now they're just the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But James Huntsman did his law, original lawsuit before the church changed the name. But it's just amazing to me to see the church as a defendant in a fraud lawsuit and that two out of the three judges in the circuit court are saying that there is a significant basis for this particular lawsuit. This is in contrast to almost every other person who's attempted to sue the church, which has happened many, many times and have not almost with there's only one exception of getting your tithing back. And it's amazing to me to see. I'm going to be watching every single minute of this particular um, of the particular case. It's a good thing that they set aside all that tithing money to grow to, you know, a over a hundred billion dollars for a rainy day when all the members sue them. <laughs> yeah, I, I found this on Reddit as well. Pay up or lose your family. Uh, what you, uh, so what do you mean we can't lie and use religious ties to build for-profit businesses? No, <laughs> that's what the court is saying. No, you can't materially misrepresent what you're going to do with tithing. Now, religions are given a wide, wide latitude of what to do with tithing. You can pour it all into the pastor's car. You can put it all into the pastor's house. You can do almost anything with it, but you can't fraudulently say that you're not going to do something with it and then do it. That's the difference here. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. That, that's, that's, the, that's the issue. And you know, that's the biggest thing that Joseph Smith did to shoot himself in the foot was just being too specific uh, with what he was going to do and what the rules were going to be. And like, yeah, you just, uh, I've, I'm learning that if I ever start my own church, you got to be vague as fuck. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, the church has responded, by the way. The church did, did finally respond to this appeals court here, and they did it through the Deseret News here from Tad Welch. The appeals court reinstates James Hunson's lawsuit for the return of tithing. He paid as a Latter-day Saint. It was a split decision. The most important paragraph here, I want to read this to you here from the church's uh, representative here, Sam Penrod. Quote, the court of appeals decision returns part of this case to the trial court for further handling. As we have previously stated, there was no fraud. The church did exactly what President Gordon B. Hinckley said when it invested earnings on reserve funds in the City Creek project. The church looks forward to defending these facts in the next phase of the legal process. What do you guys get from that particular uh, defense, that particular church statement? Yeah, I mean, that sounds exactly like what they would say. I mean, they're going to they're going to say that, yeah, he said this and, and that's true. Like he said that no funds were used that were from tithing. And that's true. And uh, terms and conditions apply. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that pretty much sums it up here, guys. Uh, unless unless there's anything else, I think that we have ruminated properly on the Great Spacious Deep. I want to thank you so much for both being here. Absolutely, well, thanks for having us. absolutely. Yeah, I also noticed that you know you can tell you guys both have your own podcast. I've invited you on mine multiple times. I haven't seen the favor returned. I think that tells a lot about how much you guys respect Mormon. <laughs> right? Oh shit! Oh shit! We're getting called okay. out. Hey. You could go on porch time anytime you want. There you go. Oh my, that I would want to see that. I would want to see D-Base. They kind of just let anyone flip. come. I don't think I would last five minutes. I would need, what What was that, Viagra pill? I would probably yeah. need, that we covered earlier, I would probably need some help on that. I don't think I would last five minutes on porch time. But really, thanks Bring so back much for the being thunder, here. Bring yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to give a shout out to Weird Ammo for this uh, episode's music. And thanks so much for being here. Remember, remember, no one hallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. So long. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on Patreon.com.